Matt, I love and respect you. I love and respect you. You're a dear friend. There was only like brief shining moments of fun. And I genuinely like this is one of the most inexplicable shows of all time. And I consider it yeah. vile. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was, also and I, don't, I don't understand what you like about quite things. I was literally screaming uh, yeah. in pain. Yeah, yeah. In pain. For yeah. Periods of this. Yeah. Is this? Are you? Are you into some weird like sadomasochism stuff? Like this is, is that this what is I'm getting from you? this was by far the worst show we've watched. Unquestionable. All, all across Bye. all, yeah, all, across all the projects. Yeah. Not even close. Uh, so here's my question. Uh, did anyone take detailed scene by scene breakdowns of the show? Because I didn't no. know it was not worth it. No, Go. but like <laughs> no. I, I counted the number of boobs in the pilot. Is that a that'll come up? Come yeah, like... let's let's just go breast by breast. Can we can instead we all, of scene everyone, by scene? <laughs> everyone, go grab a bottle. I believe there are only two in the finale, which was surprising. Wow. So six six pairs, and then the pilot is a pair of breasts every five minutes. Uh, As I was laying in bed last night. <laughs> I was thinking back on the two episodes, and I was, like, already conflating, like, I was like, well, this happened. I was like, wait, no, that doesn't make sense. How could he have, wait, so he hooked up with this person? Wait, when, when was these ones? When the time I, I already, yeah, like, to, his, his penis is going to explode like Chuck Negron, like, based if, on. Ex- except also we're never going to see it because the, the length this show went in just those two episodes to not show full frontal. It was, was Austin Powers-like. <laughs> Folks, it is, as you know. The, the podcast about the first and last episodes of TV shows, where we uh, cut out everything in between, draw our own conclusions, and figure out if it's worth watching. I am Ian Benson. Joining me, as always, Travis Marmon. Hello. Stephen Doughton. Hey. Hey. And Matt Ciani. Hey, y'all. Whose Can pick I... it was this week when we talked... So we talked about Californication. You're welcome, everybody. Can I everybody. ask Matt a question... Absolutely. Yeah, go is right it, off the bat. Yeah. Is it going to be like this every week that you're picking? Is it going <laughs> to be like month. this? Once a month. We once get a month. Is it gonna, David Duchovny was only like in this. so many shows. Yeah. So. yeah. Once a month, you're going to get to watch a fun show that kicks Look out ass for this show for not the fun. This show is not fun. <laughs> I had a bad time watching this show. Um, this is possibly really the most. This is. The most Showtime series of all time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right almost certainly. When I saw the Showtime logo before the... So before the first one, I didn't see... I didn't know it was on Showtime. I just didn't pay attention. To, so before the second one, when I saw the Showtime logo, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I picked it before we talked about it on the... Um, <laughs> on the Six Feet Under episode, where I was like, man, HBO shows are trying so hard to be edgy. Uh and was, I, I like I was probably at some point going to pick a Showtime show because I'd never watched one and I wanted to know how much worse they really are. <laughs> and let me tell you, you never <laughs> watched a Showtime show. This is not anywhere near as bad as Six Feet Under, but it is. I uh, can't believe you, I can't believe you're not a Dexter guy. I, I mean, it's I'd not watch. it's not as bad oh. in, as Six Feet Under in in your mind because it it because like because it's Six trying to under, be entertaining. Because Six Feet Under wasn't bad enough to be like fun for you like it's clearly no, always, it's that six uh, feet under was had a very serious tone that didn't seem to be interested in having a good time and this show while it is vile and it is terrible and it is poorly made certainly existed for the sole purpose of entertainment and i'm You're sure right. that the people who wanted to watch it like in the real target audience oh, yeah. that is not us fucking loved this shit 
I should have taken a shower between watching that show and recording. I feel gross from the show. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. Let me be clear. I did not pick this to torture anybody. I feel like every week we've had at least one person saying that. Like I swear yeah, I did I'm not sorry. choose this to make you yeah, guys last mad. Week, last week it was Travis who was tortured. The week yeah. before it was Travis doing the torturing of Matt. The week before that, uh, uh, True Blood was all of us torturing ourselves. Yeah, I tortured me the most, honestly, with True Blood. <laughs> honestly, Supernatural is the show the that we've liked the most. Supernatural in, is a good collectively. show. That show was the only one that had a had one episode that we all liked. Yeah. Like that was yeah, the yeah. only show where even one episode of it we were like, <laughs> yes, this is good. <laughs> I mean the thing I it's not even necessarily like the show is bad, but like it's all fucking made up. The thing that really <laughs> fucks with me about the show is the people who liked it. I never yeah, want to meet going... a person who loved this show. Yeah, I never yeah, want yeah. to speak to a person who loved this show. Yeah. I just don't want to know them. I don't want them to know my friends. If, <laughs> if I had a friend who was going to marry someone who loved this show and I didn't know anything <laughs> else about him, I would do everything I could to stop that wedding. The vibe of this show was so... so like I would my... fly to New York to go, uh, <laughs> exactly. to go help. Uh, I think my I think my dad watched some of the show. He watched all of the like landfill Showtime shows that I've never met anyone else who's seen, like the Big C or whatever. The or, like, he still watched. He, he finally stopped show. watching Shameless, which I hopped off of like three seasons ago and should have like six seasons ago. What I was going to say is this show. The vibe I got from the show was like dads probably watch this and would te- when their wives were asleep or whatever didn't want to watch for them and then they would talk Sexually to each other about it later dads. and they talk to each yeah. other about it later and be like you got to watch this show it's so outrageous this guy said gave man birth to a hefty tome or whatever and there's like <laughs> he's fucking all these ladies the 12 year old girl says she doesn't have hair on her vagina it's it's wild like yeah someone who watched shameless for like showtime. seven seasons like this was like all the worst parts of Shameless made huh, in yeah, a series. Yeah, yeah, huh. he said shrivels me testes at one point. <laughs> <laughs> the scene the where he's in the movie way. theater and he just gets that, he just takes that guy's phone away from him and everyone stood up and clapped and it never it's comes up again. We're jumping around too much. <laughs> here's, like, what, here's what I wanted to say related to what Matt was talking about with the show was trying to have fun. Is that a good way to describe a good way to describe this show is a way that a friend of mine described one of my best friends in front of a <laughs> packed house in Chicago, Illinois, uh, on stage at Second City, which is it definitely likes to have fun, but I'm not sure that I'd say that it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you guys want to want to set some context Do you background about? on Californication? Yeah, yeah, yes. some background about Californication. Yes. Uh, so yeah. uh, I think it's been established. Most of this conversation is going to be about Duchovny. I think it's really important to say I've never watched the X Files. Uh, you should watch the X Files. Yeah, it's it's it was. I saw a single episode of like the X Files as a child mm-hmm. when my parents were watching it and it was one of the scary ones and it's just like there's some <laughs> mental block yeah. that exists in my mind because of that and so I've just That theme song makes interest. all of them the scary ones even the one where yeah. there's an evil floppy disk 
<laughs> yeah. Once you hear that song, it's like, oof. But Duchovny was like, I don't know if I want to return to TV. I don't want it to necessarily be in the same realm if I do. He's never really had much of a film career. Yeah. Uh, he has directed a movie. It's the type of movie that you make if you are the star of this show. <laughs> Do you think David Duchovny likes this show? Because if he does, that might change my relationship. Uh, he did seven seasons of it. Dog. So. Duchovny is the executive producer of the show. Fucking loves it. Just like he loves the X-Files. He is a guy who used the classic I am a sex addict uh, excuse in real life. And it worked for a while. Because he got back with Taya Leone after that first moment, at the first time. Yo, we need to talk about his movie. I cannot wait. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> I just read something in this movie that I'm like, y'all, we need to talk about this movie. So his movie was called House of D. Uh, and it's yeah, about baby. an American artist living in, Bohe- living in a bohemian existence in Paris, mm-hmm. Tom Warshaw, mm-hmm. is trying to make sense of his troubled life by reflecting upon his extraordinary childhood. Okay, And he plays the troubled artist as the adult. And Anton Yelchin plays a young him. So directed and starred in. Directed and starred in. Uh, I think it's Mm -hmm. the only movie he's directed. Robin Williams played his uh, father in the flashback period when he was Anton Yelchin. But here's the thing. God, R.I.P. to both of those people. (laughs) Taya Leone, his wife, played his character's mother. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. Is this before before or after she was his wife? Oh, they had been married. This is, I believe, mm. around the I'm a sex addict, take me back period. Play my mom, they take were, me back. <laughs> it, it was 2004. They were married from 97 and they divorced in 2014. So Duchovny really relates to the character Hank, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to say he's actually a writer in real life. Uh, he really fancies himself a novelist. Uh <laughs> Mm, we are gonna that is a larger point we need to get to um on this of how much is this character david duchovny and we're gonna talk about his books yeah in a minute but first so uh california californication is an american comedy drama television series created by tom kapanos which aired for seven seasons on showtime he used to be a producer on dawson's creek that was his like travis take us through the history of californication please yeah (laughs) Yeah, why I mean, what? Just from what you I read on Wikipedia yesterday. I, no. I love that we're doing a why don't you come up here and teach the class to try <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this guy who worked on Dawson's Creek uh pitched this shitty show to Showtime and thus it was born. And uh like that that's what really else is, yeah, uh, what else has Tom Capano's created? Uh Lucifer. Mm, so he's got a type. Um did you see the other show he created? Uh there was something I had never heard of. Uh it seemed like it was it seemed like it was upcoming (laughs) nope (laughs) you want to teach the class i i went to his wikipedia and it just said those two shows were the only two that i saw you want to put on the big boy pants you want to take control do it (laughs) the show was called white famous his other show it was a showtime series starring jay farrow it was canceled after one season hell yeah he's effectively a spinoff of californication because it has multiple characters that overlap including, uh, what was the character's name? Stu Banks, which is the Stephen Tobolowsky character Gosh. that I'm going to spend 20 unhinged minutes talking about. I the was so mad. Sex doll? 
I was so mad on behalf oh, of Tobolowski and Pam Adlon for being on this show. Yeah. Pam Adlon's I, on the whole series. Yeah, so, Pam Adlon uh, has some of the worst judge of character of any person <laughs> I've is, ever is, seen. Is, is, she, is she the ex? <laughs> no, Pam She's Adlon Marcy. is the, the wife who, had, who in the finale there's the sex doll. The wife of the friend. Oh, uh, yeah, the agent. one who you can tell. The you one can tell it's Pam Adlon like, because if you because like you recognize her yeah. from Louie. Well, I was going to say because if you uh, train your ears well enough, you can hear Bobby Hill in there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Pam Adlon is an Emmy Award-winning voice actress, actress, and Peabody Award-winning TV show creator and writer. Uh, she rules. For, uh, but man, does she yeah, work with great. some vile people. The, <laughs> yeah, you, at a certain point you're like, is there more to this? It's the same where it's like uh, how um, Jodie Foster loves so many yeah. like dudes yeah. who are all yeah. like yeah, monsters. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. You're mm. like, well, they, we've reached the point where we're like, hold on a sec. So they guys? in this spinoff show feature that guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it, uh, yeah, and it what? was, was Jay Farrow's series, which is really fun to imagine the idea where they're just like, well, we got to build something around that guy who only does impressions on SNL. Imagine if Daryl Hammond had his own show. That would probably be a good show. I'd watch it. No, it wouldn't. I only if he played every character yeah, and all of them were impersonations. <laughs> I'd watch that. Then it would be an insanely expensive show to make because of like <laughs> I mean, how they'd have to do all of the CGI for that. Imagine the way, a Daryl Hammond show, perhaps. For that. I'd watch the show. Uh, the same. I'd watch the show for this show. Like I'd watch yeah. it for this podcast. Also, I just want to follow up on a note from last week. I forgot to mention this. Uh, Evan Almighty is the most expensive comedy ever made. That's the thing that we brought up and <laughs> saying how expensive it was reminded me. Sorry, uh, I know that you at home probably tweeted a few times about it. Yes, I am. You're now aware Evan Almighty is the yeah. most expensive comedy ever. And it filmed. makes sense because it's also the best one. Uh, like the money paid off. Every dollar put in. That's what, great job. Every, that's what, it's all I mean, on the screen. Uh, yeah, money. Yeah, how expensive something is and the quality of it is a one to one. Exactly. Of thing. It's a straight line. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a graph of X equals Y. Exactly. Uh, so Tom Kapanos uh, worked for a long time as like a screen, like. A script assistant, mm. uh, and in 2000, Fox purchased his uh, screenplay, and it starred. Uh, it was going to have Jennifer Aniston in the title role, and it was never made. But uh, the producers of Dawson's Creek read it and then offered him a job, and the title of the script was "The Virgin Mary." Oh, okay. So everything we need to know about the guy is right there, and then he's like, "This guy's yeah, got a thing know. with Catholicism." I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Which we all do. <laughs> if you've ever been Catholic for even like 20 minutes, we all do. Yeah, we I, got to see I one of Matt's know. very own sex dreams in the first five minutes ha. of the show. <laughs> and I guess, hey, you know what? There's no better time to get into it than now. The most Showtime intro I've ever seen. So Hank Moody is a writer and uh, played by Duchovny, and we open up with him driving uh, like, a, like a Porsche, uh, I think it's like a 947. It's not the 9-11, that much I knew. Um, and he, like, runs into a church. And he's listening to the Rolling Stones because the show's also all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Also, he's not listening to the Rolling Stones because it's that playing. Stone Songs takes, like, five minutes to get to any other part of that song. It's, it's just like, the opening. opening so much. He's doing that thing where he's basically, like, playing the song in, like, the car, and he wants the person to come and get in the car right <laughs> as the song's playing. Yeah, so yeah. he has to keep restarting it is basically what the show is doing with that song in the beginning yeah. for how much it is playing. Uh, but he uh, he runs into a church and he, 
he stands there in front of of the crucifix and he's he's like listen god uh, hey i'm hank moody we've never really met before but i uh boy do i need a solid and then a nun walks over and i'm like oh my god is he gonna fuck the nun and then the first just thing like, any of us blow said. job yeah and then i was like oh my god he's well gonna first fuck he's like i'm having writer's block and then the nun is like i'll suck your dick and then he wakes and then up. Yeah. He wakes up in bed after covering Jesus's eyes. Basically, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to hell." And then he wakes up in bed, and I start booing because there is nothing. And Dad's worse. like, "That's so irreverent." Oh my God! There's <laughs> nothing worse than a cold open that's a dream in your first episode. It is the laziest. And they did it again. They did it in the finale too. I, well, yeah, I, I can only imagine that every one of these episodes features is a dream opening. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Episode? For seven seasons? Is that a thing? Constantly. I don't hey, think you so. Know, <laughs> my, biggest fear, my biggest fear used to be, like, loneliness. And now my biggest fear is that my dad would like this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. if, you, if you have, a, a, like, an irreverent lib dad who, like, watches Bomar, like, this is this their is kind of Bill thing. Maher show. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a cameo on this. Oh, I would because he's on HBO. No, he's but, HBO. He wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, no, he wouldn't. I can pull up the list of cameos. There was a. It was. A I know Henry list. Rollins was on this show at some point. Oh, uh, because I because I do want to talk about the show's relationship to the rock and roll aspect of sex, drugs, and rock and roll based on what I briefly saw on the Wikipedia. But we'll get to that um, <laughs> when we get to Hank's book uh, soon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, dreams are lazy and bad. In media as the as these things. Yeah. I can think of like one piece of media unless it's like explicitly about dreams like i like paprika and inception both are yeah. cool times uh, uh and uh dreams are used in an interesting way in the wind rises i mean there's other examples oh you're right you're right you're right i love that yeah, nightmare on elm dreams... street obviously okay well yeah, yeah. also <laughs> as well um the nightmare on elm street dreams make me weep of course the wind rises <laughs> dreams i'm a fucking mess I'm a mess during that whole movie, though. Either, either make, either make Jeez. a dream, either make dreams a big part of your shit and be saying yeah. something about dreams, or literally do not include dreams. <laughs> like, yeah, dreams, one or the other. <laughs> dreams as the wow, isn't this wild? And yeah. then like, boom, actually that never happened. That shit sucks. Almost always bad. Except I do defend it in the Young Pope because it's funny in the Young Pope. One of when the it first in the first episode. Well, maybe played for comedy, but Lazy. it's played for anyway. Uh, uh, one of the first things you grow to hate as an improviser is when people, when you're doing a scene and someone comes in and says, you're on drugs or this was all a dream. Like those two things are like, oh, you've, uh, we built something and you were like, nope, let's knock it all down. Like, let's fuck, fuck this. This isn't real. Like we've wasted, it's effectively, we've wasted your time. Like that's, <laughs> that's what that is. Oh, good. None of it matters. And that's that's how the show starts with a waste of time. It does not pick up from there. It <laughs> continues to do it even when the things are happening. I have a question. When do you think the last time someone watched an episode of Californication was? I think we're the first people to do it in at least three years. This show ended in 2014. I cannot believe this yeah. had seven seasons. I can. Uh, it's a Showtime show. I know. Yeah, like, that's the main reason so they just keep going. But it's like, like we said, like I never do it. I used to confuse the show with John from Cincinnati, which I think was a notorious bomb. How dare you put uh, the the good name of um, uh, David Milch on this? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know, but yeah, the show somehow went until 2014. 
Monoculture Impact, that which is what really, Showtime specialized in. Hey, like, hey, what do you mean no, no one impact? fucking cares about any of these shows? Duchovny won a Golden Globe for this Duchovny show. Duchovny won a Golden Globe, and this show has multiple yes. cinematography Emmys, which is very funny. Dude, so yeah, tw- <laughs> the fact that the last episode aired in 2014 and looks the way that it does is, I like, it's, it's stunning. Bananas. It's stunning. It's bananas. It's bananas. So David Duchovny wakes up. The person who he saw as the nun in his dream is the person who is sucking his dick because she decided to wake him up by sucking his dick. Then he runs out, <laughs> uh, not able to find his pants before he oh, does. Oh, you are skipping a really important part. Oh, uh, they talk about uh, how she's married and her husband can't find her clitoris because um, I guess no one communicates in the relationship. And, and then he, he thinks he, it's on the, the bottom somehow. And he says, near the the we learn about yes. the humor. We learn about the humor of this show yep. very early. <laughs> We just we get the first of Duchovny talks about genitals way too much in this show. Like this is where it all starts, because he he later would like you know like in this scene is just like hey as he's shouting at the guy who's married to the person he's sleeping with the guy who in extremely two thousand seven movie yeah you're about to say calls him K he calls him K Fed where it is just like (laughs) oh my god we are we are unborn in time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he calls him K-Fed, and then later he talks about the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like the sequels, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, clearly, like, this is 2007. <laughs> this is truly, deeply 2007. Honestly, the he most shows- 2007 thing in this show is at one point there's a Circuit City in the background. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up without pants to pick up his daughter, who he splits custody with with his wife, and that's fine. Fine. With the wife um, from The Truman Show. Yeah, uh, uh, Natasha McElhone, McElhone, whatever her name is. Stephen, you're the one who lives in a, <laughs> in that part of the world. Mick <laughs> I, need, I would need to, I would need to see the name. Mick E L H O N E. Oh, it's probably something that is nothing like what it looks like. That's <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. Um, was anybody else disappointed yeah. that the daughter went from being goth to not goth over the course of the show? Apparently, yes. Yes, I was. I was disappointed by that, but it's realistic. Like, uh, I wasn't disappointed because I spent the whole saying episode being goth going, is a phase. Like, <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying. I'm saying that. I'm saying that though, if there were a 28 year old goth girl that walked into a bar, I'd immediately be attracted to her. Uh, <laughs> as that guy, some people do in fact stop being goth. Yeah. It is sad. I did not like the knockoff Wednesday Adam vibes that yeah. we got from her in the first episode, so I was happy that she stopped being goth, but uh, was not happy that she apparently kept the weird childlike monotone throughout the whole thing. Though it's not like we actually see her in the last episode, so who knows? Just in a dream sequence, yeah, but we at least get a precocious child uh, being like, this woman doesn't have hair on her vagina. It's like, is damn. Is she okay? She said that. Like, Crazy. stop talking about... It's it's actually just McElhone. Okay. It's just McElhone. Being a kid actor is a lot, I bet. And there are very few that are good. So I am just predisposed to not liking children and things. Dude, she's so far down the list of problems with this show that I don't <laughs> even want to spend any time complaining about her. That's right. fair. Well, this is then, then this is my space to complain about her incredibly flat delivery of all of her lines in the first episode. Kind of realistic. And I, that was the point. They wanted her to deliver them flatly. Clearly. Like, that was the design. There is a difference between not being bothered and delivering flatly. You're asking really a lot from a child actor on the show, Californication, on Showtime. How, do you know me? <laughs> of course I have this complaint. 
Well, like, that's the you thing on this one. Like, no one is trying in this show there's, at all. There's something about... In the two episodes I watched. Prestige TV loves to do a tough... Loves to have, like, a tough kid. Like, a, an uninterested kid uh, while the anti-hero uh, is, like, trying to reconcile with them or whatever. Which, man... Every, why does every show have to do Daddy. that shit? They have to humanize him or something like that. He did not yeah, seem humanized I mean, to me. They're trying to, yeah. I mean, it was really interesting to watch a show where they're showing one of the worst people that has ever lived, and they're tr- and they're. It's very clear that whoever's directing this sees him in a positive light. That's why the movie theater seems so horrible. Where it's just like, God, oh, this guy's supposed fuck? to be like. This guy's supposed to like suck and everyone around. And everybody like, he just ruins everyone's ex- life. And we then, yeah, there, just... the, we should explain so, the movie theater scene. Uh, he, so, in the brief scene with the kid, uh, he walks into his room, or he walks into his apartment, and there is a nude woman in there uh, laying in his bed that was going to surprise him. It turns out it is the wife of the person who made a film adaptation of his book, and he hates the film adaptation. They changed the title from God, God Hates, hates us, all. us All. To yeah. a crazy thing called love, I believe. Crazy little thing called love, which they say, yeah. oh, the one with Tom and Katie in it, because also yes, it's 2007. Also. So Celebrities all only have one name. And well, yeah, I mean, it's 2007. We all know who they mean when they say Tom and Katie. Yeah, yeah when when they reveal this book is called God Hates Us All, I was like, are you ripping off Slayer right now? And then when I Wikipedia'd this show, and it just said, like, it mentioned, like, it has a lot of rock and roll references. I learned his other books are called South of Heaven and Seasons in the Abyss. Ah! And that there's a rival, <laughs> he has a rival author whose books are named after Mastodon albums. That rules. Which is very funny because this is possibly the least metal show I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, he doesn't seem like a Slayer guy. Yeah, it's like it's God Hates Us All because he, he has more of a like a Richard Lewis vibe, I feel like, if he's going to call it that. I don't know. I mean, he's supposed to be Bukowski, right? I don't know. I don't know anything about Bukowski. He's, he's supposed to be any of those fucking guys. I mean, he's, I mean, I, I imagine he's like supposed to be Bukowski and he's also supposed to be, of course, the creator of the show. Yeah, yeah. But so uh, he, he's he's sleeping with the woman, uh, the wife of the the, the director. Uh, it's his way of getting back. She kind of realizes this and like storms out on him, and he's like completely unfazed by all of this. He's like, "Yeah, whatever." We have uh, now seen then, four boobs. This show is a tits show that never pretends to be anything but a tits yeah. show. So and not we a variety treat of them either. It's all yeah, it's never all pretends big to be white a woman show. tits. Yeah, you do see Duchovny's ass pretty early. And Evan Handler's ass later. He has a Hank Hill ass ass. <laughs> Fucking butterfly tramp stamp, yeah. which was a bit that they thought was probably thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'd be. I mean, at least it's continuity because that probably happened like three seasons before he did. Before, so they're like, "Well, yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta go sit in the makeup chair it's not for like an Archie's, hour as we do this." God. Archie's serpent's tattoo, <laughs> <laughs> which shows up and disappears across the episodes. I'm starting a new bit, which is where I drink every time you guys mention Riverdale. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Gonna be fucking blasted at the end of every episode. Uh, now, we've, we've alluded to it a few times. He goes to the movies. Guy in front of him picks up the phone in the middle of the theater. And he gets mad at the guy. Takes the phone. Like, says some stuff. Hangs up. The woman calls back. The guy picks it up. They somehow get into a fight. He wins the fight. Everyone applauds. This... 
I think is the most inconsequential scene I've ever seen in anything because nothing comes about from it. Yeah. But I do appreciate it because this is a longtime fantasy. Duchovny was right to do this. Yeah. He was, 100%. and he should He's be He's right to do it, but also everyone else in the theater would be like getting up and throwing food at this guy. Like there would be a mass revolt. They would not just be turning clapping. Everyone would be like, fuck you at a, in a normal movie theater. No, and it's not but. a New York theater, Travis. Of course, this is, <laughs> no, it's, it's LA. LA. Everything's breezier there. Tra- Travis is yeah. right. People would be yelling at him. But also, like, also, like, it's just a hero fantasy. Like, it's, yeah. it's like this. He- like, if this was like- also a dream sequence, it would have made more sense. This is the yeah. most mundane power fantasy I've ever seen. <laughs> but like, it's also, but it's also an everyman power fantasy. Oh, like, and yes. absolutely. And he's the everyman. This is we're how like, like Travis this. dreams. Fellas, we're all like this, right? <laughs> absolutely. Again, I definitely had moments where I'm like. I swear to fucking God, if you answer that fucking phone. I don't think I've actually encountered this in a movie theater. I feel like it is a thing that happens on movies and TV shows more than real life. I can only think of one time where I've actually seen somebody, like, pull out their phone in the middle of a movie theater, and I was blinded by the light. Was it one of us? That person's on this call. Yeah. That person's on this call. (laughs) Um, Do you think the reason why this specific power fantasy comes up so often on television is just, like, self-important tv writers being like if somebody's talking through my film yeah yeah, i'm gonna beat the shit out of them oh yeah i mean it's the perfect it's a it's a very official expensive way of coming up with a guy to be mad at and then fictionally beating the shit out of him this show is fun because it is very clearly like it considers like novels the highest form of writing and has a disdain for everything else but it's also a TV show on Showtime. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm going to make the worst show of all time to prove that TV isn't good. I'm going to make it run for seven seasons. (laughs) Oh, oh, so now it's art. Um, (laughs) This is like, this is Duchampian. The number of times in in both of these episodes where someone compliments his writing, but we can't really show his writing because there's no one on staff good enough to pull off the like, he's a genius. That's so he so I we do get trope. to see his writing. We do get to see his writing at the end of the show. And, and I hated it so much. Yeah, and and I and I and I made a note and it's something that I've it's something that I've thought about a lot as a DM. Uh is you can't make a character a better writer than you are. And mm-hmm. and so it's like it's like really a hard thing that a lot of bad writers struggle with because they're like, I'm a writer, so I want to write about writers. But then as soon as they make the writer very good in universe, they have to then they can't show the writer's writing because they're not a good writer. Yeah. The only way this could have worked and would change my whole opinion on the show is if it was revealed that it was like a Barton Fink type thing and he's actually an absolute fucking hack and like <laughs> you're supposed to laugh at how bad his writing is. Uh absolutely. No. Uh I think Steven, I think the thing that I'll always think of, I wasn't even there for that, but in the specific example of this. That's yes, the best, I know exactly is, what you're going to say. Is the group on D&D, or no, I believe it's Call of Cthulhu you played, where one of the people was Sherlock Holmes and then quickly realized you can't be Sherlock Holmes. You just can't. It's- you have to solve every mystery immediately in it's that a, game. It's a game about solving mysteries. And the and one of the players like I will be Sherlock Holmes, and then everybody and then and then well and this guy's the butt of jokes a lot. So then everybody every time there was a thing and it was like some mystery, everybody would just look at him and be like, "Well, clearly you figured it out already, Sherlock." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you it's can't. Like, it's just you can't play Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, you can't play Sherlock Holmes, and that's. I mean, that's the whole. Uh, my beloved, uh, you know, some of my beloved comic characters get ra- uh, trapped in every time. Is it's like. 
Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Most comic book writers aren't incredibly uh, skilled mystery writers, so they're just like, ah, well, here's why he couldn't figure out the Riddler right now. And that's why the movie adaptations always kind of struggle with that, because they're like, fuck it, we'll just make him punch things. We can't create an Agatha Christie mystery yeah, in the middle or of the ha- Or have a giant surveillance network or whatever. Yeah, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, ah, oh, man, I bet, I bet Hank Moody, uh, if he was continuing now, would absolutely hate mcu movies but would also absolutely be like the credited screenwriter on one of them yeah he, he mm-hmm. works on them for sure do you go to the bookstore now to reason before we get off the movie theater theme i do like one other it's 2007 everyone uh because uh the guy whose phone he picks up at one point says he freaked out like mel gibson yep that does uh, happen the phone, and you're just like <sighs> oh my god incredible cultural artifact yeah, it's like this guy uh, called yeah, you sugar so tits is... and went on an anti-Semitic rant. I don't. That doesn't seem to fit anything here. Yeah, if, you, if you're freaking the, out with a phone, you're Russell Crowe. Everyone knows this. <laughs> uh, this show was not meant to age. It was it intentionally set itself <laughs> up to not age. It was perfectly encased in amber the moment it aired. It's like it. it, it, it the moment it was exposed to oxygen, it just was like, oh no, it's over. <laughs> I've gone bad. Yeah, why did we so... open the capsule that they buried? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you, we, <laughs> they, we? They, Showtime took all of the originals of this and they put it in the desert with those signs that they put up with, uh, like, um, the, the, like, uh, the waste from nukes and things like that, where it's just like, there is a, nothing of value here. <laughs> Matt, w- you were like, hey guys, come meet us and come meet me in the desert. And we were like, we're why? And then we showed <laughs> up, <laughs> we showed up and then you shoved shovels in our hands and we were like, okay. And then we were really upset about We the had a bonding experience together, digging up <laughs> lit- literal buried shit. Uh, <laughs> What is Showtime broadcast now? Did they do a woke rebrand? Showtime does Dude, Chai. All of the current Showtime shows. They're, re- they're rebooting Dexter. There's the Chai. There's Shameless is still on with Adam Rossum. I think it's finally ending soon. Um, uh, yeah, it's in the last season. They had... Okay, that's next. I think Masters of Sex was fairly well regarded. Oh, yeah, um, I remember hearing about that. Okay, they did the on. Nick, right? Or was the Nick HBO? The or was Nick it Cinemax? Was stars. I oh, oh my god yeah because isn't stars owned by hbo yes and it was, it's on hbo it max was, now yeah uh, it was basically was... like fast lined because there was there was some reason where like hbo was like well we don't really have a spot for this uh so they gave it to stars yikes uh yeah Bill- no so billions right now City is probably their biggest show yeah yes. i've heard of it at least let's talk about this great bookstore scene so uh matt uh yeah I, so i so this 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 person, uh, Madeline Zima, um, who is who is a person who is reading his book, um, who uh, he walks over to and has a very awkward conversation that ends up getting him another another fuckmate as as every conversation he has in this pilot does. Um, I saw this person and was like, where do I know her from? Googled her. I wondered if you I wondered if you recognized this. Googled her and said. Oh, do I recognize her from a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff? And then learned no. Uh, Matt, do you know who this is? I don't. She did look familiar, but I don't remember who she is. Do you remember Tracy from the first two-ish episodes of season three of uh, Twin Peaks? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's Tracy. So... 
So both of these shows, she exists because she clearly has great tits. And they were like, we need to show a pair of tits. And in this show, is like, <laughs> that's all, that's this whole show. In that show, we were like, we need a pair of tits to get absolutely destroyed by evil incarnate. Uh, yeah, we, need a, about, we need a ghost monster to come out of a glass box yeah. and murder this person as she has sex yeah, with somebody yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, I love that part of the show between that guy and Tracy. I don't remember. He, she, he says Tracy like 30 times in that yeah. episode. Um, but uh, yeah, that's who she is. Yeah, we see her tits and then she punches uh, uh, <laughs> Hank in the face. Multiple times. I, I did think and she that was, was right funny. to do it. And every, every scene in the show would be amplified if somebody punched him in the <laughs> just, face. <laughs> just constantly. You're right. You're right. Every show, every every time he got punched in the face, I liked it. So he should have gotten yeah. punched in the face more. So what else? Uh, I, I, it, it's all a blur because it's just a, yeah, it's really, like a music, it's like happens, a music video in its, really, in its all editing. All that happens after this is he, uh, he goes out with his friend, who's also his agent. Oh, uh, yeah. And it talks about how he's going to be like a blogger, and they say it in like such a dirty, very two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Oh, you're going to blog for this magazine. It's going to be terrible." Uh, and they like really stress that a bunch. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, have he tries dinner. To set him up with someone. Yeah, yeah. Like his agent and his agent's wife, and a third person. You know, they all go out to dinner. She. They try to set him up with that, and he's just too much of a real asshole and says like a bunch of mean things to her. Cause she's just like, Oh, you make things up. What do you, what can you determine about me? And then it's just like really mean to her. So she leaves cause he's, you know, just a dick, but everyone's so nice to him. Still his friends. Yeah, this, were, like, this felt like, like Evan the Hamm dark were, like, side of the movie theater scene. Like yeah. same type of guy would think that that, that those two things are cool. And yeah, again, yeah, no like repercussions it, at all other than she leaves. Yeah, his agent, like, throws a napkin at him, and it's just like, oh, you're a dick. And then, like, the wife you just, like, asshole. grabs him by the face, and it's just like, you're an asshole, but you're so talented and cute. So just go home. As Call I'm it. sure you're aware, a you're a very talented man. But then he uh, he starts having sex with someone uh, that he met at the bar. Like, she's just looking at him, and he's like, all right, then, let's go. Uh, but then he gets a phone call from his former partner, who is the mother uh, of his child. Who is the yeah. mother of the child. Uh, they were never married. She's getting in ma- engaged. This is something that's like established in the first scene yeah. uh, where they really have together. Uh, he, at one point, he refers to the guy as a dial tone, which I do like as an insult. Yeah, very good. But, uh, he, uh, he gets a call, so he has to leave in the middle of the encounter <laughs> and uh, rushes off to go save his daughter from some party. Because earlier he was called in to school, uh, to the school where she's at, and learns that his daughter is beginning beginning to like experience sexuality, but like, and he immediately so that boys assumes will like her. that uh, she is. He's being told that she's gay. Yeah, goes like on a really long like. Oh, she's a lesbian. Wouldn't you support that? Like, goes for the with, high uh, five. Yeah, with with his with his uh, with the mother, and it's just a lot. But yeah, so he goes off and rushes to save the day. He learns that. She had been the daughter had been hanging out with uh, the older with the, with the child of his ex partner's fiance. They get to the party, they save the day, they yeah. get her away. She's like literally about to take a bong rip. 
uh, which was very silly. That like that's well, that'll be. I mean, yeah. I mean, that would be. She'd never recover from having taken that bomb. She would right. never recover. What's What's what crazy to me to is uh, how not edgy the drug of choice in this show was. Because the should've HBO been, at least gave been us heroin. Should have been heroin. Yeah, should have been like fully tied off, slapping the vein, and he rushes in. If you want that scene from. Wet Hot American Summer, where they all become heroin addicts in the middle of the movie for, like, you know, a whole scene. <laughs> everyone everyone at this party is doing DMT, and yeah. she's 12, and she is about to do DMT. Yeah. Duchovny pulling the woman, the girl, off of, the like, the other girl and the guy on top, and then sees that it's not his daughter, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah get back to what you were doing. You're just like, are you even trying in this show? <laughs> and the answer is no. no. A resounding no. no. Then they come back, and they drop a hammer on us. They well, they're, they're like, we saved the day, and he's he's like proposing basically to. Uh, he kisses uh, her on the neck in this conversation, and she's like pushes him away, but isn't like, get out of my house forever, which is yeah, the more is, appropriate is, reaction to that. This is because yeah, they're the at mother, her fiance's you know, house. Yeah, and, also. but she's. It, you know, he's like, you still love me, you're having this whole thing, and you're like, oh my god, please tell me that this show opens. I was really hoping that, like, this show would then end, we'd watch this episode, which ends with a proposal, and then we'd get to watch the finale where they do finally get married, and could only imagine the twisting turns that were going to happen in that relationship between. But instead... It would have been better for our bingo board, but it didn't happen. Right as they're talking, uh, Mia, the older, the, 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 the fiancé's child, comes back. And it, whoa, surprise! It turns out it's the woman he met at the bookstore and slept with. She's 16! Which, I, to and the I people who liked this show in 2007, mind. that was probably the funniest thing they have ever seen in their lives. They're like, ah, classic! I, I should have seen it coming, I guess. I didn't, because I wasn't thinking, one, I wasn't thinking critically. I was just mindlessly watching the show, basically, yeah. taking notes. Yeah. And two, in Duchovny's character's defense, that's like a 24-year-old, clearly. Right. Like the, yeah. It's yeah, very yeah. clearly. It's, it's yeah, one clearly. of the least 16-year-old actors I've seen play a 16-year-old, which was yeah. hilarious even, about that part. I mean, yeah. yeah we, she, this podcast started with people who aren't 16 playing 16-year-olds. Yeah. And uh, She this walked is in. Worse. She walks in. He, like, stands up, like, knocks the chair over. Is like, uh, what did I do? Oh, no. This is such uh, non-16-year-old behavior, the way that she is yeah. toward, toward him, too. This is this is a, a, the 16-year-old uh, A 16-year-old's um, not going to punch someone in the face while they're on top of them. It's no. not 16-year-old behavior. No. <laughs> More of a 27-year-old. That's, that's the conclusion you want to draw that part? Okay. Yeah, it was a joke, um, but... <laughs> I don't know. You know. <laughs> Uh, no, the uh, the thing, uh, yeah, like this is a sixteen-year-old in the universe from uh, Train Spotting, and I bet she does. I bet there is also probably like a blackmailing season-long plot that occurs between these two characters. There might be. Like, I bet there are no consequences at all. So, so part of the reason he gets punched in the face, and then there's a there's a there's a a callback to that where the girl from the bar or from the restaurant. Uh, like moves her hands toward his face and he like flinches and goes soft and she's like what's wrong and he's like I thought you were gonna punch me in the face long uh, no reason um, 
I understand that the actual reason for so they they talk a lot about David Duchovny being very good in bed, um, uh, especially with his wife, who's like, well, you know, we never had problems with sex or whatever, um, and everyone agrees. Everyone agrees that he's great, but we literally never see him having sex in any other position but cowgirl, and I know that the reason why is because that's the best tit shot, yeah. at, like or yeah. whatever, but like. As far as I know, this guy is never on top. He never has sex in any other position. He just lies there while people ride him, and he's the best. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I'm just I just wanted to point that out. If 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 you're gonna spend so much time on sex and you're gonna want to make this guy seem like a sex god, maybe put him on top for a second. Yeah, maybe. but seeing David Duchovny's thrusting ass is not something that the viewers of this show were interested in. I viewed the show, and I'm interested in it. So. To get you the answer, there are actually lasting repercussions. Huh. You might even say that it is, like, effectively the arc of the show for a while. Really? Uh, yes. So, uh, uh, Mia proceeds to harass, is the word used here, harass oh, Hank okay. during his visits <laughs> to his family. She uses the threat of illegal sex charges to extort stories from him that she passes off as her own for her high school <laughs> re- uh, creative writing class. Holy That's shit. That's season one. In season oh two, my God. <laughs> uh, where was it? Where I looked in this? Well, for one of all, first of all, they mentioned that there's an homage to Mia Wallace's overdose in season two. Um, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, this show is absolutely made by people who are like greatest auteur of all time, Quentin Tarantino. There's never been a guy who's written cooler fucking movies. In a later season, the. Um, uh, the world... Okay, so... Where's the start? Basically, he has a book that he wrote... Uh, a, like, that he, a manuscript that she takes... And then, like, passes it off as her own. And the, the publishing world is all alight at the idea of publishing this, like... Explicit novel by this young woman called... Fucking and Punching. Uh... Uh, and so, like, uh, there's going to be like it's published under her name, and there's going to be like a film sh- that's made you could, out. Of this. You could re- you could rename so many movies "fucking and punching," and it would <laughs> it would be fine. <laughs> but yeah, so she um, then right it turns back. out like it comes to a light in the world that he slept with the underage Mia, and he like attacked somebody, so he gets like assault charges and statutory rape charges. There's a film adaptation of the "fucking and punching" coming in. Like, it's just oh huh. wow. Wow. It's the whole thing. Oh, you know what? There's one thing I think that's really funny. Sure. And by funny, I mean I hated it. There's the cover of Rocket Man playing as he's like sitting God, seated and he's typing. Yeah. And all, and it's just this awful cover of Rocket Man. But we need to mention that Rocket Man plays because they do it again in the finale. They bring it back. So you do need to add music reprisal on our yep. bingo board. Yep. That iconic games. moment and where they're playing Rocket Man in the pilot. The fact that the show then instead, like the first episode ends... Basically, like, it's, a, you know, a film, and they put, like, scene at the end. God. But instead, it's just fuck with a period <laughs> appearing in the middle of the screen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a beautiful moment. It's iconic. The swearing in this show is a little over the top in the pilot. <laughs> and by the time the finale hits, the amount of fucks per minute is uh, on a level that I haven't seen since, like, the South Park movie, maybe. Yeah, damn. I'm trying to think, do I have anything else to say on the first episode? Uh, 
not really. There was just another really 2007 moment when he said, I have TiVo, that mm. uh, <laughs> talk about America's Next it. Top Model. The My Morning Jacket cover of Rocket Man wasn't very good. Uh, oh, that's who did that version? That was who was covering Rocket Man? Yeah. Yikes. It was bad, and I like My Morning Jacket. I did not realize that was yeah, their same. version of it. Is Rocket Man in every episode of this? <laughs> I have... Listen. We have... The, in Plato's Cave, we are given these images. We have to draw our conclusions. From this, I have no reason to believe that Rocket Man does not play at the end of every episode. Every episode starts with a dream and ends with Rocket Man. I have, yeah, exactly. That is how Californication exists to us. Mm-hmm. And if we want to pursue this show, this podcast, to its logical end, we need to enforce and believe that this is how it is and never find out otherwise, which I think is fine. Though that really is, I guess, the question. Would anyone have kept watching Californication after this pilot? Jesus Absolutely God. not. I would have maybe left it on for episode two if I was, like, kind of drunk and just, like, vibing with how stupid it was. But, like, I, not because I intended to watch more of the show, but just because I was like, I'll sit with this for another minute. And that's exactly... The finale did that, did enough for me, and now I never need to see any more. I would definitely have checked in on, like, the TV club reviews at AV Club to see how the Mia plotline thing comes to a head but yeah. as we've learned it would take a few seasons so i would have lost interest in even reading that part speaking of that uh also on the wikipedia for the show i checked where it was like critical reception and it was like mostly positive but the av club's nathan raven raven gave season one an f hell yes Nathan it deserves raven, an a f. king among kings he is absolutely <laughs> right to have done so yeah thank you absolutely vile but we've watched one other vile show which was Ballers. Ballers. But this was so much less boring than Ballers. I'm not saying it was better. I'm saying it was less boring. It was less boring. Uh, uh, Ballers made me feel fewer things. I'll say that. So uh, I, uh, I was doing some other like light research on this show. Uh, here's the thing that happened in this show. In season five, uh, uh, an episode features a cop joking about having shot a black kid who he thought was carrying a gun, but it was actually an iPod touch. And it's treated about as a funny thing in the show. I was show. like, prob- season five, so that's 2012, so that's probably like right before Tamara Rice. Hey, yes. truth and comedy. God. An iPod Dutch. And then also, just so everyone knows, you can buy uh, Hank Moody's book, God Hates Us All. Uh, it was published September 2009. So, you know, two years after the show. Wow. Who's it uh, written dude, by? Dude, dude. Hank Moody. I'm going to tell you, it's listed as probably written by Hank Moody, and I don't sure. know who the ghostwriter is, but it could have been Duchovny, because Duchovny has four novels, three novels? I need to read Duchovny novels. Or I, I need to at novels. least find one of them. So he, uh, he earned a BA in English literature from Princeton, and then, uh, a master's uh, from Yale, and he's published four books. Holy Cow, A Modern Day Dairy Tale is how this is listed. Oh. Wow. <laughs> That came out in 2015. Wow. A book called Bucky Fucking Dent, but of course the fucking has a star in it. Okay, that's, yeah. That came out in 2016. Miss Subways in 2018. And Truly Like Lightning. Truly Like Lightning is like his, like, New Yorker voice. Like, I'm going to be like a serious New York Lower East Side writer guy now. Novel. Yeah, I mean, he he has basically, like, retired from acting. Back in 2017, he 
announced that he was putting his acting career on hold so he could focus more on his career as a writer and as a singer songwriter and as the greatest musician of all time. Um, <laughs> and I, if I may it's, quote some of his lyrics to you, um, uh, I think before I under- we get to the quoting the lyrics, sure. I just want to say his last acting credit was in the Craft Legacy, the 2020 sequel to the Craft. Damn, he was not involved in the original Craft, to the best of my knowledge. <sighs> So that is a, a did he thing. intentionally take this time off or is or was it just like such I have a, a such a bleak on him uh, but I want to I want to hear the lyrics before no I want to hear the lyrics before I share the theory so I, I think these lyrics really get to the psyche of David Duchovny as a man in the in the most recent song he posted on Instagram it was like a lyric video so he's proud of these uh, he says uh, I've done some good I've done some bad like any man I bet. A man of words is a man of lies, but words is all I get. Oh, my God. David. I had so many things to say about this show's relationship to sex, but then when after you guys talked about David Duchovny and his creative influence on the show, all my thoughts were you know, like, oh, well, yeah, I don't... You yeah, know, I have so many things to say it. about David yeah. Duchovny and sex. Yeah. Seems like he's probably not a great guy. I do like his standing at the microphone flexing stance that he does. One of the greatest um, photos of all time. The like recording like new back songs at, on back Twitter. Back in the studio, yeah. <laughs> Just. My, my unified theory of David Duchovny, from the outside perspective, not really ever experiencing much of his work, he's Gen X Shatner. I know he's not technically Gen X, like he's a little bit too old for that but he's four gen xers just because yeah. yeah he's the x files is a quintessential gen he, x series yeah he just feels like gen x shatner to me it's like really the way i can make the logic of who where it's just the acclaimed role that he's never going to really escape from sex obsessed feels pretty full of himself has a sort of like weird likable charm though throughout that he's so likable and i just i kind yeah. of hate that now i yeah. didn't hate it before but now i do after watching the show where he plays as just an insanely unlikable character the whole time. Uh, that feels closer to being really him than like his other iconic role where he seems extremely he's very likable and he's very likable in the other two shows I've seen him in. Very likable. What's the other one? Oh, um, uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, right. Denise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's Denise. It's I like that character. There's not so much to Denise, but she's like good. Right. Like she's she's a good person. Like yeah. she seems good. Yeah. Stephen reveals he's very into the Larry Sanders show. Actually, that was the other show. Yeah. Or he's even watched all of Aquarius, a show that Duchovny uh, produced and played. Yes. A, um, I forgot about Aquarius. Uh, I think an FBI agent on that one as well, or some yes. type of agent. About the Manson uh, family, correct? Huh. Yes. Yes. It was right when the Manson family was getting super hot for media. Everyone wanted to talk about the Manson. Because it was family. the yeah the anniversaries coming up or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know who uh, Californication fans demanded, petitioned. Cried for to appear in the show, but never did. Uh, Jillian Anderson. Jillian Anderson. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, it was I'm constantly being asked about it. Duchovny. She wanted to. She was oh, like, I think no. it'd be fun. I could play like an. Oh, she was like, I could no. play like a stripper who's like an FBI agent or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like basically what. That's, she a, lot, she that's sh- a lot of people's sh- fantasies. Was she gonna like, show she was her like, tits or? I'm, that's probably why people wanted her on we, the show. 
We yeah, need to probably. stop saying tits as every, much as we, It's every ridiculous woman. how much this it's the show. <laughs> the show is just it. No, I know. I know. I know. It, it, is, it is truly remarkable how many times we've said the word tits <laughs> in this episode. Like, it is like, it's been, it's said so much that it's stopped meaning to, uh, like, to me for a while there. It's a you tits know? show. Sorry. Uh, you're not wrong. No, again, like, it's just. So, uh, before we get into the finale, would you guys like to find the worst piece of IMDb trivia I could find about the show? Absolutely. <laughs> this is going to be a new bit. Sure. The singular worst piece of IMDb trivia. Yeah. It's going to be terrible. In 2014, GQ Magazine listed uh, Ava Amori's stripper scene as the third most underrated nude moment in TV oh. history. Oh. <laughs> most underrated. They moment. also pointed out... They also pointed out that she carried on the tradition of showing off her impressive natural breasts started by her mother, Susan Sarandon. Hell yeah, dude. Oh my god. What's the most underrated nude scene in television history? I would like to I'll get you the list. I'll get you the list. I'll get you the list. This is even better than when we discovered like the Spike TV Guys Choice Awards from the same era, and like, there's a lot of problems with millennials, but man, do I love my generation sometimes. Like, I just our our dedication this. to not do this. Like, thank God. Yeah, we, millennials oh are not doing the like fucking countdown to eighteen shit that happened yeah. fucking everywhere. This article is by Mr. Skin. Oh my God! <laughs> it's the actual. <laughs> Uh, can I just say really quick? Exist without him. Can I just say, uh, <laughs> check out my band, Mr. Skin. Bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, just put out a record called Mirror Slash Vessels. Oh. Uh, uh, it was um, it was uh, from a 1973 uh, TV thing called Steam Bath that was on PBS because they could violate traditional censorship oh lines God. since wow. they weren't beholden to sponsors. Wow. Uh, number two is Mary Louise Parker in Angels in America. Oh, my God. Angels in America? I think she's naked in weeds a lot. I don't know. Yeah, but this is this isn't, this isn't just underrated, man. Yeah. yeah. Underrated. The people who would read yeah. Mr. Skin probably did not see underrated. Angels in America. Could you imagine? I'd love to be the guy who discovers Mulholland Drive through Mr. Skin. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, um, I, I do love the idea, though, of, like, somebody reading that GQ article, you know, some some teen and then they're like, time to go watch Angels in America. And then they're just like, what a profound experience I just had. It's like you can determine. I fucking, like, I fucking love Mulholland Drive. The movie's yeah. so the good. Cinephi- yeah. The cinephiles. That's a great example. Yeah. Like young cinephiles and like Mr. Skin or so, like a future cinephile, a future member of film Twitter. Like, oh, uh, what? There's a girl on girl scene in this movie? I got to go watch it immediately. And then they experience Mulholland Drive as like a horny 12 year old. Mr. Skin probably has changed. like an artsiest nude scenes. Yeah, yeah. Too or something. All right, can we talk about? We let's, need to talk about this terrible finale. Let's talk about. So there, there were uh, like I, there were like twenty minutes of television scenes, and then about ten minutes of like lens flare, Instagram filter, montage things. Yes, Matt. They heard you say that you thought that all shows should have an ad bumper, and so they put ad bumpers in in the middle of the, the scene. The ad bumpers in the show. <laughs> The ad bumpers are the show uh, on a Showtime series where there were no ads. They heard your request and they fulfilled it. Thank you. Uh, so I uh, am a firm believer in skipping the previously on, but I was too slow on this one. So I got to see 
And then I just proceeded to basically just shout because of all of the people who appeared. Tobo. Yeah. I was just like, oh my god! It's Heather Graham! Yeah. And yeah. Tobolowski! <laughs> I have some thoughts about Heather Graham in this show. You have and thoughts about Heather Graham you. consistently throughout the time they that may, I've known you. May, also, someone, who, someone who I'm like, mm, we probably see her boobs at some point. She Heather seems to Graham, fit Hank's type. Heather Graham was a part of the, the best scene of these two. The most jarring, exciting thing that's happened to me this week. <laughs> uh, is which is Michael Imperioli yeah. walking on screen <laughs> with long hair. And I kid you not, I shouted, Christopher! <laughs> like, Christopher! Just who, I is had... that? who is that? He's I, one I of the guy I know the guy one you're of, talking one of about, two, but who is he? One of two Sopranos uh, actors who are in this episode. Okay. You gotta watch it, man. He's like... You I'm know, gonna was, watch. You know, I'm gonna watch. He's a classic yeah, character in it. But yeah, it was just so. I had no <laughs> idea. And it's it's Heather Graham sitting. I saw him pop up in the opening credits. So or, or no, it wasn't even that. It was I was IMDbing to look up. I think another character, and then it's like Michael Imperioli shows up. Oh shit! So yeah, no, I I'm I'm glad I had that surprise preserved. Uh, and so, then so so I hate it. so I hate Heather Graham because. Wow. She's in so she's in things that I love and she's bad in them. And she sort of like fucks them up in, in one way or another. This show is so bad that every time she was on screen I was relieved. And and to have that experience was so it was it was um it it was transformational, maybe. Like I was just <laughs> like, Oh yeah, she's not so bad. Like Steven, I like wow. really, Steven watched Boogie Nights Challenge. I'm, yeah. I'm healing. Like I, I think I think I'm healing. Uh, I really didn't dislike her in this at all. Maybe you're ready uh, for no Boogie Nights. No problems with her. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll watch Boogie Nights. Um, but God, oh man, is she has, not really? It's like it's like it's like the twelve year old. It's like like I don't really like her as an actress, but this show is so bad that she couldn't possibly make it worse, and she doesn't at all. Well, also Heather Graham is a film actor who like right, right naturally slotted into this better than any of the other people that they got, I thought. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and she slots yeah. in as a former flame, I guess, of Hank's, and they have a child together, and the child is played by Oliver Cooper, who was on the show Red Oaks, which only I and Steven Soderbergh watched. Uh, he is also the son of Sam on Mindhunter. Yep, wow. which I have right here as Travis will mention him as the son of Sam the moment I mention <laughs> Red Oaks. And then I put in parentheses, not a good show, because Mindhunter is not a good show. I will go to my grave telling you all of this. Um, he's from Toledo, Ohio, so you just got to get that one in there. You know, has to. We always have to pay tribute. The land of glass. <laughs> we get, yeah, we get another dream sequence because we learned uh, that in the that his daughter is getting married, and he doesn't approve of this. Uh, she's nineteen, what, eighteen, maybe? nineteen, yeah. something less, like that. Less goth. If you're fun, if yeah. if you was if it's the actress's age or whatever, or if you assume the show, she was twelve in the first season. So, so if, if the show passes a year in time every year, then she's 19. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, for all we know, there could have been like time skips or something like that. Yeah. Like, no. I don't know, man. Yeah, like, so she is some age. Um, it's weird. So yeah, she only appears in that dream sequence in this episode where like the major sticking point is that he's... Maybe she was in New York. Of, disapproving of their marriage. But he's like eventually gets on the plane to go see her, but we don't actually see her. No, and I assume that it's like a really important central relationship to the show. So yeah, just not having her there is very silly. Uh, Maybe they couldn't get her for this episode. With Heather Graham. 
who knows what Madeline Martin was up to. She could be a busy person. I know her from one other show, which Stephen and Travis would also have known her from, because uh, she is oh, the yeah? voice of Fiona in Adventure Time. Uh. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's not yeah. that amazing. She's only in, like, six episodes of that show. Yeah, I was like, I can't even think of which character that is. Yeah, she was also in... There was just... I was Oh, right. I was looking at her uh, Wikipedia page, and it mentions, in 2010, she was the co-star alongside John Cena in the WWE studio film Legendary. Her performance was heavily criticized. Oh, no. You're just like, yeah. uh... Outshone by Cena. I mean, I who hasn't gonna been? Say, I thought you were going to say her performance was Legendary. Nope, no, they just, uh, like, really, in the Wikipedia page, they're just like, her performance was heavily criticized. They're just like, oh, I ain't gotta be like this. Yeah, so uh, we get another dream scene. He wakes up, and I get really mad that it's another fucking dream scene. But he's woken up by Evan Handler, who's like, hey, can we, can I sleep here? My wife's doing something, and he's just like, yeah, sure, get in. Get into bed. And you're just like, oh, this is cute. Male friendship, you know? Uh, things are bad with his wife, because his wife is uh, about to do, is about to recreate the uh, classic... Uh, Woody Harrelson, Demi Moore, and uh, Robert Redford movie, Indecent Proposal. Yes, Only but with the Robert Stephen Tobolowsky. Is being played by Stephen Tobolowsky! <laughs> a legend! A legend! A man I last saw getting shot in the face on Justified, I believe. I love... Justified. I love Tobo. I love him so much. And this... I mean, shouts out for letting him cook. And he is, like always, game... Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Tobolowsky, a classic Wednesday bad. Stephen Tobolowsky, always amazing. I mean, he's I I not bad impression. in this. This entire arc is extremely bad. Oh, yeah. No, he, what, yeah. he is. But he throws I mean, down. He fucking chews yeah. on it, spits it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just a guy I never thought I would hear talking about his erection uh, very loudly. A man I never thought I would show. see running around in just, yeah, red underwear, screaming. He has so such much lines. shit stuffed into there. He, he is right, though. It's very difficult to urinate with an erection like that. Correct. Yeah, that's a, a direct line first. that I never expected. It's supposed to be good for cleaning out your shit, though. The, hearing Stephen Tobolowsky say, We've done it all, Mercy. We swam. We played tennis. We had lunch. We meditated. We did some yoga. We had massages. The only thing we haven't done is fucked. My balls <laughs> are so swollen right now. Please take me in your mouth. A Stephen Tobolowsky line. <laughs> Oh, like this show that, sucks ass. That seems like something that I would love to, like, could you imagine if, like, so does the, that? So does the oh. prostitute, if you're nice to her, apparently. That's a line in this, uh, in this sure show. Delivered by Steve Jones, legendary guitarist of the Sex Pistols. <laughs> <laughs> that is who that is. Holy shit. <laughs> she, I mean, like, what is there even really to say about the, fin- the finale? Like, we learned he has a son at some point. Yeah. The son... It keeps getting arrested for, like, uh, soliciting prostitutes. Yeah. Here's here's what I want to say about his son. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy pet peeve of mine. And they do it in shows uh, every time peeve. when... <laughs> it's some heavy petting peeving. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, pee-pee. <laughs> D. <laughs> D. Um... <laughs> What is your pet peeve, Stephen? <laughs> I'm giggling about heavy pet peeve. <laughs> your pet peeve, Stephen. 
and they do it in all these shows where there's a character who like doesn't know how to talk to girls and then they're like learning how to talk to girls. It happened all the time in like sitcoms like Boy Meets World and shit like that. Where where they play up the comedy of and like I I don't like cringe comedy to begin with, but they play up the comedy of like the guy not being able to say the right things to the girl and saying all the wrong things. Um and uh and and he says the most heinous, weird, like like the, the in this scene he's like yeah I remember your name because I there was another girl in one of my Gosh. other classes Gosh. whose name was Sarah uh. who was a retard and uh, not that you're a retard in fact you're not a retard you're the opposite of a retard and, and he's like, like I guess you can't say that anymore and then keep saying it a million times yeah 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 and and they're really playing up the comedy of that and. And then, like, it is heavily implied, if not outright stated, that they have a good time together. Uh, and that she's interested in him despite all of these things. And, like, just the disrespect that this shows to an entire gender of people to, like, continue to hang out with this guy. Like, she has nothing better to do than to just be with, uh, like, this guy who has who has done this because it's yeah. convenient for storytelling. Well, I, mean, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. In its defense, we don't know what their previous interaction was fully like. True. From what we saw in there, so we don't really have. And much she of a knows story Hank somehow. Like she, yeah, he was he like, taught a like a writing or course or something. Or something. Like yeah. And now I want to say, here's my biggest issue with this: they look too much alike. The two people who are supposed to be flirting, they looked way too much alike. <laughs> ah, that's normal. Couples look like there's like there's an Instagram like for this... like siblings or dating for a reason. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys remember what his son was named? No. Hank. Levon. Travis is right. His son was named Levon. Oh, they love fucking Elton John, do don't they? You know, it's funny. I would have thought Levon because of Levon Helm first and foremost. Oh well, I mean, the show has Rocket Man. Yeah, no, both that's episodes, like, yeah. You know, you're not wrong. No, you're you're not wrong on that. But here's the thing. You know what else Levon is? It's novel spelled backwards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening this week, everybody. This has been As You Know. <laughs> I wish we could cut it off there, but I want to talk to you more about Tobolowski. <laughs> really is the thing. I want to talk about Tobolowski some more. Uh, I did, I did I, in the defense of uh, this scene uh, where the son is was talking, I did like uh, the way Duchovny plays it the whole time because he's so um, – his whole persona is just being like, yeah, what's up? Yeah, it's cool. That's oh, great. Listen, don't be weird. You know, just just have a good time. Don't be weird, you know. And like, because the, there's the part where the kid's just like, it's hard. You know, I don't look like you. You've got a great body. And then he's like, well, thanks, you know. Hey. Uh, and, you know, like later there's the part where uh, Levon is just like, having a dad is fucking awesome. And then like, uh, um, uh, Duchovny immediately underplays. He's like, don't cry. Like, don't be weird. Don't cry. And you're just like, wow, yeah, you are really, you, do, you are here to sign some checks. But it kind of <laughs> works when you're not talking about sex. So we don't really see it. Like he's a scumbag fairy godfather in these yeah. scenes with his son. Yeah. I this is how I imagine Cameron Crowe is in his real life, for some reason. I don't know why I determined that as well. What did you guys think of the? So he comes back to his house. First of all, actually, what financial troubles do you think his agent has found himself in, where he is his wife? is going to have sex with Tobo for a million dollars. Maybe he lent the I, money seems, for the legal stuff seems, for Hank to fight his statutory rape charge. This seems normal and fine to me. I don't know, a million dollars? Like, uh, it seems normal and fine to you? 
I mean, to say if someone offered to say yes to it, if like if everyone was consenting, like it seems fine. Oh yeah. boy! Uh... <laughs> oh god! I decided, I decided to pull up the Wikipedia page oh, no. to find out what happens. Office masturbation costs Charlie his job. <laughs> Circums- <laughs> That's all it says. That's all it says in this right there. <laughs> Circumstances lead him to go into the porn industry as he becomes the agent slash paternal figure of a porn star named Daisy and spends the majority of his and his wife Marcy's nest egg financing the artsy porn movie Vagina Town. Parentheses. A take on Chinatown. That's... <laughs> It was worth it. Like, it was worth it to know that part. This is the greatest show of all time. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, wow. That seems like that's a 30 Rock bit. Vagina Town, a parody of Chinatown, is a 30 Rock bit. Yeah. Can you imagine? You guys have both seen Chinatown, right? Yeah. I have not not seen Chinatown. Uh, Spoilers for Chinatown. Uh, (laughs) The most iconic scene in Chinatown uh, probably is, uh, so uh, um, Jack Nicholson's been investigating this. Uh, there's this woman involved, and then he's like trying to figure out this other woman that's tangentially related to this this woman that he's investigating with, and he's like, you know, because she says it's her sister, and then later it's like actually it's my daughter, and so uh, Nicholson goes and confronts her about this, and he's like slapping her repeatedly across the face as she's he's like tell me the truth, and she's like she's my sister, and he slaps her, and she's like she's my daughter, and he keeps doing this, and then she reveals that she's both that she was raped by her father, uh, and so it's her sister and her daughter. And now I'm just thinking of the current porn trends in... Oh, God, uh, dude. <laughs> and that's... Wow. Yeah, no, and just that scene appearing in... Uh, in a porn? Uh, <laughs> in, in Vagina Town. She's my stepsister, slap. She's my <laughs> real sister, slap. She's my stepsister, slap. She's my real sister. Uh, sorry to have put that cursed image in all of your minds. That's it's amazing. A good, punked, it's a good punked reference. Good punked... Oh my god. Oh yeah. That reference in here. Which is which is actually dated at the time it's made. If it's 2014, like this is a bit late for a punk reference. Do we have anything we want to say about the scene with uh with Duchovny, the agent, and the prostitute as he like walks in on them <sighs> in his bed? Because it has one of the most viscerally upsetting lines I've heard someone say. Which is what? That she wants to when... practice sex on him or that no. she when she refers to her attempts and that he couldn't get hard when she says it was like nibbling on a piece of string cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of funny. I just, I just didn't like that. Uh, they And they keep, like, the whole button on that scene is it's just like, well, you should really go back to law school, though, you know? this You're just you're just doing prostitution to afford school. You really should get back to law school. Uh, which, this is very entourage, very ballers. Like, that's the attitude... Yeah. That I would expect from this show. Yeah, he's going to be like, the agent, Charlie, is going to be hooking up with prostitutes while his wife sleeps with Tobolowski, uh, even though she's getting this million dollars for him. And it's a weird whole thing with that. So he rushes over to stop it. Uh, and he hits Tobolowski with what appears to be like a SAG award or something like that. <laughs> Maybe like an, an Oscar. Oscar. Couldn't really t- it clearly wasn't it really an Oscar. Looked, it really looked like an Oscar a lot. I, like, but I, that's why I'm like, it was like a SAG award. It's probably a stand. They couldn't. It can't be an Oscar because that'd be a whole right, thing. Right. So yeah. that's why I was like some other thing but like that. But it's modeled that. off after that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. But no, uh, the, the worst joke where it's just like, have you guys had sex yet? And he's like, 
she's like, no. And he's then she's just like, he's like, what have you been doing all day? And she's like, everything but. And then um, they cut back was... to Evan Handler, who's just like, so wait, like anal? And I'm just like, this is the worst written joke. What's funny is this is this is a joke that I remember because I was very proud of it at age 14. I made the same joke. I made the same joke when I I was 14. And then I was so proud of that joke. So proud of it. So just to let you know what level this writing is, it's 14-year-old Steven on a band bus. Uh, That is the level of writing we're getting in this show. There's a long scene. There's a long scene where he's trying to fuck her, and she's like trying to avoid it. I mean, it is literally like a a Pepe Le Pew level. Like, I, I know that that's just in the zeitgeist. Well, and then right she now. Out, she outright says, "Are you going to rape me now?" And then he was like, "We've done he's so like, many rape ha- fantasies that you initiate." Fantasies. We are yeah. we are pushing really far past the fact that we see a sex uh, the vulva of a sex doll in this show. Uh, whatever. And it's owned I mean, by hasn't? Stephen Tobolowsky. And it's supposed to look like Pam Adlon. Except it looks like a weirdly like... It, it, looks, it looks nothing like, like Pam Adlon. It, what, what was that, Travis? It looks nothing like Pam Adlon. Yeah, it looks like it looked like a, a Madame Toussaint's version of like Casey Musgraves. This is exactly the kind of thing that I would expect to see in a show where to make all of our dads go, Dude, did you see it last night? That shit was fucking crazy. They laugh really hard about how, yeah, it's so irreverent, so outrageous. Yeah, I can picture, I don't know. I need to ask the my thing dad that, how much of the show The thing watched. that really pushes to the, the, like, oh, it's so irreverent is when, like, they're, they're like, we're taking the million dollars. You've caused us great emotional harm. And then, like, Tobolowski's, like, threatening him. And Evan Handler's fighting back. And then Tobolowski just screams at him, you're getting some balls on you, Ruckle. Good for you. And then, like, breaks <laughs> down and starts crying. And you're just like, good for you, Hastings. I've, I've, I've sinned in my million dollars as penance. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and and then what? like they start kissing, and then Tobolowski tries to muscle in on it, and they just like push him away. And you're just like, this is so unhinged. And then we cut back to Duchovny, the most unflappable man, mm-hmm. effectively in this. And you're just like, I don't understand the whiplash that I'm getting from this. But he's made plans to meet up with, you know, he's continuing to reject going on this plane for, to support his daughter on her wedding day. He at one point makes plans to get dinner with uh, with Heather Graham. I, I keep thinking, who tries to sleep with him. I keep yeah, thinking... Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm turning that sex down. I'm going to just, you know... This and is he turns gross. Down sex later, he's like... Yeah, this he, he turns down sex like. later with that prostitute. And he's like, oh... Because, yeah, he has the whole, like, can I turn it down? No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. Oh, I fell over. Oh, I fell over again. <laughs> like, that I energy... Keep, I keep... I keep thinking of people in my life. I'm going to have nightmares. I'm actually going to have nightmares. And it's going to be like every night this week, I'm going to have nightmares. And it was going to be about like waking up late for my job and losing it or whatever because I'm starting a new job. But now instead, I'm going to have nightmares every night that a new person likes this show when I find out. Like <laughs> like somebody I care about likes this show. And then and then I just have to deal with that. Uh, he, he makes plans with Heather Graham. He's like, put on your best dress. Meet me at this restaurant. She's like, all right. And she's sitting, she's, she's sitting there alone at the restaurant. And you're like, wow, it's weird to have the characters stand her up in the finale. I thought we were going to have growth. Oh, I guess he's going to have some big entrance or something like that. Or what's up with the other woman, you know, the original woman. And then instead, Heather Graham looks over. And there he is, shining beacon of Italian excellence. The beautiful Michael Imperioli with the worst hair I've ever seen on him. <laughs> 
He's <laughs> down to That's his shoulders. That's what his hair looks like now, back. too, though. He's been just Is it back living to that? the long... He has the long hair of life. Yeah, it was like well, Instagram. I mean, it's quarantine. All the I Instagram just... posts where he's like... I mean, maybe some of them are old, because there's some that's like him with Gandolfini before he died, and he has the long hair, but I think he yeah. still does it. I don't know. I t- when he's, he when he's like not posting, about, when shit, he's not posting yeah. about My Bloody Valentine or whatever. Yeah. It's incredible. I was... I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I was so excited, because I had no idea. It's... <laughs> <laughs> It was just, like, the greatest surprise. It's what's really good about this project, the way we've structured this is, this can be, like, this could be, like, a long, this could be a wonderful romantic conclusion to an arc that I will never experience. So, like, there could have been people who were watching this who were like, I hope it's actually Michael Imperioli that shows up. Like, you know, like, the end of, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've met, we've met him instead, before, clearly. Yeah. But instead, for us, it's just, oh my god, that's Michael Imperioli, <laughs> and he's standing there, and now he's gonna, and like, for me, I have no reason to not believe it's Michael Imperioli playing himself, for all I playing know. Playing a deranged version be... of himself, with the long yeah, hair. Yeah, a deranged and version and of so himself. So he can get back together with Heather Graham, the dream couple I never knew I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like something that could have happened in, like, the late 90s, you know? Yeah. Or early This is the Wild West yeah. back then. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. we know for a fact that they've met. It's yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they're just like, and and then they're like, hey, he played us, he set us up. I thought I was meeting somebody else. Well, we might as well have dinner together. And it's just, I'm just losing my mind. Again, it's, it's just, gross. Christopher, Christopher, you're here. I just, it's so, it's so exciting. It's the he best. Says, thing he with says, it. a soldier must be loyal to his capo. <laughs> Uh, no, and then we, we see where Duchovny is, and he's uh, uh, in his car, uh, and he's he's looking over, and there's, uh, you know, uh, whatever Natasha McElhone, uh, whatever her character is. Mac- just McElhone. McElhone, Natasha McElhone. You're like, oh, but wait, no, she's another dream. So he's like, all right, I'm going to drive, except my car gives out, so I have to sprint to the airport. I do want to make a distinction between a dream and a hallucination. Okay. Hallucinations what? I generally like, uh, especially if they're light and, and very short. Dreams are always bad, yeah. no, except no. when they're not. I wouldn't call this a hallucination. I don't think his brain is generating like a thing from a massive chemical yeah, I would rush. Say this I is think he's just dream. like, this is, a, this is a wish that he has. So yeah, he runs, uh, he, le- he abandons the car, he runs to the airport, and he gives a terrible romantic speech. Uh, to her on the plane about how he's never going to give up on the two of them. Well, and let's, not for, let's not forget about the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, because one of us is, hell yeah, dude, I loved Wasting Light. Because I do. And they're like, one of these days, he goes, yeah, and he drives over there, and yeah, he gets on the plane, and there's I an angry... There's a, up and broke and there's I, I, a, didn't, I didn't realize this was the Foo Fighters. I didn't yeah, really pay attention. Well, it is. Kind of yeah, so yeah. Their best album other than Color and the Shape. But there's a woman next to her on the plane, her her character's credited as Cranky Woman, and she is played by Rosalia Priel from The Sopranos also. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, where are this person? Sharon Angelo, or whatever her name is. And then it's like, holy shit. It's Rosalie. Yeah. Did anyone feel moved by the speech? No. Yeah, I told him. This is when I moved like, move to is turn I... the damn channel. Ha-ha. <laughs> Whoa! Got him. Eviscerated. That this is when I wrote the the thing where it's tough to write a, a successful writer because you have to be at least as good as the writer that you write. Yeah. Like you. Ha- yeah. I love that I, everyone on the plane is like turning and looking over, like the scene in an airplane where the nuns start singing. 
Like, they're just... And, like, looking at each other and, like, look at, like... Just an insane scene to be happening. And no one is ever like, sir, we're taking off in this five minutes. This flight is please, in 2014. Please find your seat. Yeah. This looks like the flight what they, how they depicted flights pre-fucking 9-11. 9-11, yeah. I did like, though, that he's like, hey, look, I made it. And she's like, do you want me to applaud you for doing the bare minimum? And, and then like, she kind of no. does. I want you to applaud me for this. And then he, yeah. he, he unfurls his, his grand tome. And it's like, yeah, it's, I, I feel repeatedly throughout these two episodes that the company wasn't really trying. This was the most, yo, so was this like the first take? In more, <laughs> in more, uh, in more like, in more like Steven has done this shit uh, lore. Uh, I did do this one time. <laughs> On a plane. Uh, when I was about, when I was about, no, I just like wrote a, a one page note to try to get someone to take me back. And it worked. Yeah, Duchovny, uh is just like, yeah, he's just a scumbag. And this scene is... Like, you should leave him. Like, she should just break up with him right then, forever. But that'd be such a good ending if she was like, "No, (laughs) yeah." She just goes, "Nah." Instead, and then he's like, everybody acts like the speech that he gave was so self-evidently great that so much so that another girl like tries to sleep with him on the fucking plane, basically. And the other woman is like, "Fine, I'll switch seats with you," because that was the most moving speech I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm rooting for you too now. And then Rosalie Aprile is like, "It's a middle." You know who's great, though? Much. Oh, that's the guy guy yeah. in the window seat during all of this. Shouts out to him because he is asleep. Uh, yeah. And he's doing what I would do in this situation if this was really happening to me, which is pretending to be asleep the whole time. Like, oh, no, I'm on a plane. I'm just going to pass out now. Also, shout out to the guy behind them whose mustache is colored in such a way that it looks like he has a Hitler mustache until you get up close and see that the sides of it are gray. That's an unfortunate way black. for that to grow. <laughs> yep. Don't have a mustache, uh, though, if that's the case, maybe. <laughs> yep. But yeah, so we get Rocket Man again, uh, you know. But it's the original, so uh, I was looking at like, there's like a, it's like a remix Hitler last something. night, and <laughs> and I just okay, couldn't Larry stop David. thinking. Well, it was because of all the fucking Tomato Town memes that got put Don't know what on. those are. You haven't seen the fucking Tomato Town. I saw that was a trending. To- I saw that was a trending topic, but I didn't see what it was because uh, all I ever see instead is people posting Wombo.ai things and yeah, it's, it's related to Wombo.ai because okay. that's one of the songs people have been putting. The, the some some Tomato kid Town. in 2017 made a song about Fortnite, and that's one of the songs people have been putting to the Wombo.ai stuff. But anyway, I was looking up pictures of Hitler, and I was like, <laughs> holy shit. How was this ever not really stupid? Like, he looks so bad. People don't talk about how bad <laughs> Hitler looked. <sighs> so I give this show two thumbs down. Yeah, yeah for sure. No question. Uh, this this is, is a, another thing to maybe add to our bingo board. Um, the abandonment or send-off of a iconic car from the show. Where they clearly <laughs> spend a lot of time being like, this is the car from the show. Yeah. Uh, that was the same. Yeah, the, the like... The door is open. You're, it's like the last shot. You're just like, so I guess this was like a big deal. This car yeah. was like a thing. They didn't I, have okay. Claire Fisher drive the hearse to New York, did they? No, they that was she better. She drove a regular car. She drove car. a fucking Prius. Okay. Uh, but yeah, two thumbs down. The worst of the shows we've covered. The finale is also the worst. And it's remarkable how little this finale had to do with the main character of the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what's, there, what's everyone's ranking so far? We're five episodes in. I'm Sailor Moon, Supernatural, Six Feet Under, True Blood, Californication. Um, so I'm going to 
exclude six feet under because s- I'd seen the whole series before. And then we know it's your number one. Go, we love that show so much. Why don't you Super marry Na- the show, Travis? Okay, aggressive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably go Supernatural, True Blood, Sailor Moon, Californication. I think for me, it's got to be Supernatural, Huge Gap. I mean, <laughs> one of the largest gaps you you, you don't the have to say. gap you can we in your have. head, and then double that. Uh, it's good we're going to watch a show that you will love next week. An infinite sized gap. True Blood, Californication, Sailor Moon, Six Feet Under. My list is the same as Ian's, so it's not interesting. There we go. Well, we will, though, uh, find out next week where we can maybe slot in the next show that we're talking about. Which is another Travis pick. We've got Gossip Girl coming up. Hell yeah, baby. Put... Who here knows the least about Gossip Girl, you think? Possibly me. Probably. Me. I mean, I know the twist of Gossip Girl. I think it's I think it's me. Alright, I'm gonna put thirty seconds on the clock. Steven, tell me everything you think you know about Gossip Girl starting now. Uh so I know that Gossip Girl is a guy. I think his name is like Nate or something. Uh, I assume it's a show about a bunch of adults who are not that mature, and there, uh, there's like random drama that happens, and then there's like, I think there's like a some sort of email list or magazine or something where uh, the people like find out things about each other that are secrets, and that's why it's a big deal that Gossip Girl exists. Um, Time. And, and, I have no idea how much of this was a bit, but we'll find None out. None of it. None of okay. it was a bit. That's what I think I know about Gossip Girl. I don't know anything about Gossip Girl. All right. Mm. There was one thing at the start of it that felt so deeply wrong that I just assumed it was a bit. But we'll talk what, about that more Girl next week. Guy? We'll talk about that more. <laughs> we'll talk about that and more next week. Thanks That's as what always. I, thought. I want to say. Let me wrap up. Can I wrap up with "Till the Wheels Come Off, Baby"? <laughs> You can, you can say, hey, listen, Stephen. Going forward, I am absolutely down with you picking a random line to like close it out instead of just Travis just going like, "Bye, y'all," just something like that. Yeah, you know. Uh, but let me let me let me get through the just the the quick wrap up before. Um. So, um, as always, thanks to our producer Matt Iciani. You can find us wherever you like podcasts on Apple and Spotify, on SoundCloud. Please rate, review, share with your friends. I guess technically it's follow now instead of like subscribe because subscribe has like depends a on what platform I guess, you or something use. like that. Yeah, yeah, some of these things all it's stupid and it's varied, but you know, give us a follow on Twitter as we try to remember to be active on that now that we've established that. Uh, and uh, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, and Stephen, uh, bring us home. Uh, girls don't like clammy hands on their tits. I was <laughs> deceived. <laughs> I trusted you and you let me down. <laughs>